I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ahí sale Camavinga, nueva llegada del Madrid. Progresa Camavinga, toca el balón para Vini. Chuta Vini, gol, gol, gol. ¡Gol, gol! Hello everyone, welcome to La Liga Lowdown. It's another midweek podcast. We've had some fantastic European semi-final first legs to watch this week. And uh, both involving Spanish sides finishing level in very different ways. We'll get into all of that very soon, as well as previewing match day 34 in La Liga. It's been a while since we've had La Liga. It's been a week. It seems a long time in, in Spanish football terms. Uh, Roman, I'm here with Roman Darquer from Barcelona with his headphones rocking. Roman, how are you doing? Have you enjoyed the football this week? Yeah, I've, I've definitely enjoyed the, those two European games on the Spanish sides. A uh, lot still to fight for in the second leg, which is always good, I guess, for the neutral viewer, you know, to to see that the game is pretty open and anything can happen. But of course, uh, I was going to say, of course, we're, we're with the Spanish sides, although I can't really say that for the <laughs> Champions League. But definitely for the Europa League, I'm with the Spanish side. So uh, we'll talk a bit more about that in a moment. Pep to the death. <laughs> well, uh, let's let's start there. Then let's start at Santiago Bernabeu on Tuesday night. Uh, an incredible match between two of the best teams in the world. Let's be honest: Real Madrid and Manchester City. City coming off the back of an incredible run of form since pretty much since the start of the calendar year. Real Madrid very much hit and miss in La Liga, but they did just win the Copa del Rey, of course. So, Roman. What a game it was set up to be. Did it live up to your expectation? Well, maybe uh, not in terms of goals. I was probably expecting to see a few more there because uh, we both know that uh, Madrid and Manchester City are just two excellent attacking sides, you know, capable of, of generating a lot and, and scoring many goals. And at the same time, for example, Madrid, I don't think they have the most solid defence, or at least that's not what we see here in La Liga. But it seems to be that... Uh, everything transforms for them in the Champions League and they're a different side and defensively they were pretty uh, rock solid. I mean City at the beginning you know had a complete domination of the ball they were generating more they were going forward but Madrid were you know uh, very reliable at the back uh, defenders were were uh, cutting uh, um, some important opportunities uh, blocking shots etc so I mean overall they did a good job and when you least expected them to score there comes Real Madrid, it's just a classic, you know, they get that goal, change everything, change the momentum, City became a bit more intimidated, maybe we could say they weren't as brave as they had been for the first part of the game, and from their own, actually, Madrid, I thought, were looking like the better side, but in the end, uh, when Madrid were better, City got the goal, so it was kind of strange in that sense, but I mean, it was an entertaining game, except for the fact that there weren't too many goals, but you know, there was still a lot of football, a lot to watch, a lot to, to see, and I'm, I'm sure the second leg is going to uh, be as entertaining or even more well indeed the first leg of last year's semi at the Etihad was 4-3 so 
definitely didn't equal that in terms of number of goals, but the quality of the goals was staggering. But let's just go back to that opening period and City really did suffocate Madrid in terms of possession and they hardly got out of their own third, let alone their own half. And the noise level of the, the whistling of the crowd, it was almost like the suffocating was getting more and more intense and Madrid just needed to find that, that pass to just to breathe out. And in players like Modric and Cruz and Camavinga in the form he's in, they managed to find that kind of moment of relief. And it was interesting because after the game, pretty much everyone that was interviewed, Modric, Carvajal, Ancelotti himself, he said, yeah, they had the ball. We weren't bothered about that. Um, they didn't really hurt us with the ball in that opening spell. And then as soon as we got it, we had a break and scored that fantastic goal. So in many ways, it could be argued that it was part of the plan, would you think? Well, I mean, uh, the thing that Madrid has is that they can really adapt to having or not having the ball. I mean, I've seen them this season uh, in games where they've really had a lot of possession. They've moved the ball from side to side. Modric, Kroos, etc. Et have all been uh, very involved. But then there's been moments where they completely forget about the ball and, you know, they just have so much pace and so much uh, attacking prowess uh, going forward that it's uh, no surprise that they can get a goal out of nowhere. So, I mean, that's one of the good things that Madrid has, you know, uh, they're really adaptable to different situations. So, I mean, it could perfectly be part of the plan. I mean, Ancelotti was surely aware that uh, Pep Guardiola was going to come there to try and have the ball, to try and have control, to try and um, uh, make Madrid suffer without the ball. But uh, it's not really, it wasn't really the case in the end. I mean, there were certain moments where maybe you thought that they were suffering a bit. But as, but as I said before, I think uh, overall Madrid were pretty solid at the back and, and didn't look uh, to be in too, too much danger as you would expect from a City side that tends to uh, be incredibly good going forward. Yeah, agreed. And I tell you what, uh, Eden Militao was suspended. I know we spoke about that might be a, a blessing in disguise given his recent lapses. But how well did Antonio Rudiger do up against Erling Haaland? He kept him very quiet, didn't he? Yeah, that was probably one of the big, maybe we could say, stories and surprises of the game to see that Haaland was... Uh, quite discreet because everyone was saying that Haaland was the missing piece for Pep Guardiola to finally achieve, you know, that Champions League title. Uh, and so I think a lot of people expected him to, to stand out in this game and to be one of the most important players or at least to get uh, a goal or something. But in the end, he really didn't enjoy his game. You could tell uh, Rudiger was on top of him. There's a really funny image where Rudiger's kind of crouching next to him putting his head between his arm and his hip it was a bit weird to see but it was it was probably an intimidating tactic that worked pretty well and I mean uh, Haaland I guess in the end respected that Rudiger despite doing strange things is is, is a professional and a really good defender and uh, he was really uh, taken away from the game and for most part of it because as I said I barely saw the Haaland we expected and I think it might be a different story in the Etihad. I think uh, Haaland will be capable of, of you know, uh, recovering from this game because in the end he is one of the best players in the world and I'm expecting him to step up. But as I said, a bit discreet in this uh, first leg. Yeah, the Spanish press were, were very fearful heading into the game of the effect of Erling Haaland. Uh, caricaturing him is everything like uh, the second coming of a Terminator, something like that. So <laughs> They were very fearful, but uh, so far so good from that perspective. On to the goals. I mean, Vinicius is, was ridiculous. And then second half, De Bruyne as well. I mean, which did you prefer? Can you pick between them? Well, it's hard to say. I think both were wonderful goals. Probably the best thing of the match were the goals, in fact, because, you know, they were really well exec executed. And, I mean, it does feel like maybe in Vinicius' goal, 
uh, Ederson can maybe s stretch a bit more. He was pretty close to getting uh, his fingers on it, but I mean, still uh, really well done from Vinicius. I mean, who would have said if we uh, talk about the Vinicius from three years ago or something like that, where all his shots were going uh, to Mars, and now he's uh, suddenly scoring these wonder, <laughs> wonder shots. I mean, he's really made a massive improvement in these last few seasons from where he started, and I mean, it was an incredible goal. And from De Bruyne, you kind of expected a bit more, no? A long shot from outside the box uh, with pace, uh, low down on the ground. I mean, that's a classic De Bruyne goal, which is always wonderful wonderful to see, but maybe it's not as impacting because he tends to uh, have the capacity to, to shoot the ball that way. Mm. It's fascinating to see the change as well. Real Madrid didn't make any subs until, I think, the 81st minute, and City didn't make any at all. And it's interesting because in terms of the weekend matches now, Real Madrid effectively are playing a friendly in their eyes because they have Hitafe and they know the league is gone. They know they're going to finish second or third and they can literally afford to rotate everybody if they want to. They can rest Benzema, Courtois, Vinicius, the lot. They can all be rested. Whereas City, of course, going for this title against, against Arsenal. They've got Everton who are coming off the back of a big win. They're fighting relegation. So you'd imagine that City will make changes, but they can't be as kind of laid back as Madrid in terms of the rotation, can they? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's pretty surprising, as a matter of fact, to see that Pep didn't make any subs at all. I think, you know, players like Julian Alvarez, Mares, uh, Foden could really provide a lot in, in attack and could have changed things, uh, seeing that City had certain moments where they were, you know, maybe lacking a bit of that creativity they're known for. And at the same time, thinking of that second leg and thinking of the, of the weekend game in the Premier League, I don't really understand what his intentions were. And that's what worries me a bit more towards that second leg, you know, because I think City should be the favourites playing at home, even though we all know that Real Madrid in the Champions League is is a different beast. But still, I kind of feel like City have the capability, but, you know, that maybe they're going to... Pep is going to stress out his players a bit too much, take into account there's some really important games uh, following one after another. So I don't, I don't really understand this decision from Pep, to be honest, but uh, we'll see how it plays out. And definitely Madrid are going to make some heavy rotations for this uh, next game against Getafe. They don't really mind if they lose, even though I'm sure they'd like to finish in front of Atletico Madrid, but uh, I don't think that's uh, reason enough you know, to to take any risk with some of the important players and, and think basically about the Champions League. That's their objective, you know. Mm. Well, in terms of historical precedent, Madrid tend not to do that well when they've drawn the first leg at home. They've only progressed from two out of 10 ties when they've drawn that first leg at the Santiago mm. Bernabeu. On the plus Good side, start. the two times they did progress were both in Manchester because it was against United. <laughs> in in 2000, that was the uh, Redondo nutmeg game. And in 2013, which was the uh, uh, Ferguson's last season, Modric scored, Ronaldo scored the winner at Old Trafford in, in 2013 to knock Fergie out of Europe for the, for the last time. So... Yeah, it depends which way you look at it, if you're an optimist or a pessimist, but you'd certainly, the bookies would certainly have City as favourites now going into that, that second leg. Would you agree with that then? Yeah, um, as a matter of fact, when I saw the draw, I was like, okay, uh, the away game, sorry, the second leg is at City. I think they have a possibility because if it would have been the other way around, we just know how Madrid at home with the fans can really turn a game around even if they've lost 1-2-3-0 or 3-1 whatever in the first leg you know so seeing that uh, City were lucky enough to have the second leg at the Etihad Stadium I really think it favours them quite a lot and, and their chances are much bigger than if it had been the other way around.
Mm, yeah, I agree there. But uh, again, <laughs> this is Real Madrid. You just of cannot course, course. ever, ever write them off. So Absolutely it'll be fascinating not. to see if they can do it or if City's treble quest will stay on course. Balón para Ocampos, Ocampos, Ocampos llega para Ian Hill, la pone atrás, Ennesini, gol, 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 On to Thursday's action and Sevilla were in Turin, a stadium they know well because they won a Europa League there already. Uh, to face a Juventus side that have been mm, inconsistent in the league, it's fair to say, in Serie A, but have pretty good pedigree when it comes to this competition at home. Sevilla started phenomenally well, didn't they? Bossed that first half. Yusuf Enesiri yet again on the score sheet. He scored 18 goals this season. 16 of them have come after the World Cup, so he's really found his form. Was that the best half of Sevilla's season, do you think, in terms of performance? That was seemed to be the consensus. Well, it was definitely... A very good half. I mean, I also really like the, the performances against uh, the second leg against Manchester. I've seen some really good ones in La Liga. I mean, it's hard to say. Well, not that hard, I guess, because if we take into account that most of La Liga, they've been absolute trash. <laughs> With all due respect, they have been really, really bad. Fair point. Uh, now to see them <laughs> playing well, I guess there aren't so many games. But still, it's definitely up there. I mean, it's not too hard because uh, they were good. They deserved, I think, at least another goal. They had some very good uh, chances in that first half to go 2-0 up. Uh, but uh, you know it's not easy playing in such a relevant stadium as as, in, as the one that Juventus has. You know, so I mean uh, it's going to be tough for them. Take into account that uh, they're going to face a strong side. But overall, I think no Sevilla fans should be disappointed because a one-one draw away is 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 very good. And seeing how Sevilla uh, were capable of turning things around against Manchester with their fans, with everything, I think it's it's a whole different story. Mm. I mean, Juventus in the UEFA Cup slash Europa League hadn't lost at home since 1999. So Sevilla were seconds, literally seconds away from, from mm -hmm. history. In fact, the equaliser coming about half a minute after the allotted uh, yeah. 96. Um, of course, they had the corner and, and had the time to take that. The referee allowed that. And it was a bit of a switching off at the back post where Pogba plays it back across and, and Gatti, his fellow substitute, heads it into to an empty net pretty much. So Juventus certainly felt like they finished on the strong foot there but equally I think Sevilla would have absolutely taken that result before the game started and they know as you said with Madrid being away Sevilla know they're coming back home the Sanchez Pituan will be absolutely rocking the heat of Seville will be intense the pressing will be on it and yeah I think Sevilla are still massive favourites to progress um, yeah I mean again Mendelibar what a job he's done he's still only lost one game since he's arrived and this is only his well his first game in, in Europe apart from into Toto Cup in 2005. His first game was the United game away. So in three games, he's uh, drawn two in, in tough places to go and that 3-0 hammering in Seville. It's just an incredible job he's doing, isn't it? Absolutely. Uh, it's, it's crazy, you know, what he's done in such a short period of time. He's barely, he barely had any, any time to actually get to know the players, get to... Uh, get them thinking in a different way, playing a different way, but uh, he's made it work all so quickly. Um, I really felt like he was the right manager to get them out of the bottom of La Liga. I wasn't so sure how he would fare in, in Europe, but I mean, overall, he's he's proved us that he's, he's, he's top quality in terms of Spanish managers, you know? And I think, uh, as I, I think I said, I mentioned this before in the previous spot, it's so important to get the right manager because we all knew that uh, Sevilla had a really good squad. It was just a matter of getting someone to 
to be in charge and to make the right decisions, motivate the players in the right way. And you could tell that Lopetegui was done. Sampaoli wasn't the right man. They took too long, in my opinion, to get rid of him. And you choose the right guy. Mendy Libre comes on and completely changes uh, the look of things. So, I mean, in La Liga, he's done an incredible job. Now they're practically not just uh, saved, but they're also fighting now for the Conference League spot, you know, which is pretty close. They can still get a shot at that if they do well uh, this weekend against Valladolid. And in Europa League, we all know what's just happened. Even if, if the draw comes at the very last minute, it's, it hurts a lot in that moment. But mm. the game is next week. There's plenty of time to recover. And as you said, at home with uh, the fans, you know, Sanchez Pizjuan is a whole new story. We know how Sevilla tends to become an even bigger side when they play in the Europa League and I really think they're, they're the clear clear favourites for me because as you also mentioned Juventus haven't been too good I mean they of course had the chances they of course have a lot of individual talent uh, up front with Kostic, Blaubic, um, Cuadrado etc there's players from Di Maria but still uh, it doesn't feel like this Juventus from previous seasons that were the dominant side in Italy well, because they're not as a matter of fact anymore and they're not the same um, threatening side so I think Sevilla really uh, have a good shot of making it to the final mm. yeah the only I suppose the other the other downside apart from conceding that late goal was the injury to Lucas Acampos in the first half mm. so they'll be hoping that he'll be fit for that second leg because he was so instrumental in the opening goal and of course in that previous round against United driving the team forward all right we'll have to leave it there for part one when we come back we'll look ahead to match day 34 in La Liga a full program of games this weekend and we'll pay tribute to Sergio Busquets, who announced that he'll be leaving Barca at the end of the season. Stay with us. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Arriba tal moment d'anunciar que aquesta serà la meva última temporada al Barça. 
el club de la meva vida, del qual he estat, sóc i seré aficionat, soci, jugador, capità i poder superar els 700 partits. Ha estat un honor, un somni, un orgull. Ho ha estat tot poder defensar i representar aquest escut durant tants anys. Moltes gràcies per tot i ens veiem aviat en els últims partits. Ser del Barça és el millor que hi ha. Welcome back to La Liga Lowdown. It's our match day 34 preview now and the biggest news from a La Liga point of view this week was the announcement from Sergio Busquets that he is going to leave the club at the end of the season. It's been rumoured for quite some time. He, he could have even left before, decided to stay for this season. There was a lot of talk he might want to continue or, or the club want him to, continu him to continue next year. Xavi, obviously a, a massive fan, but he's taken the decision to leave. And uh, it will be, well, 719 apps as, as of now, 31 titles, soon to be 32, with what will be his ninth La Liga title. Only three men will have won it more times than that. An incredible player. From the third tier to the triplete, from Guardiola's bet to greatness unlocked, Busquets is the end of an era in many ways, Roman, isn't he? In fact, he, he was the era. Yeah, uh, especially ending that uh, wonderful trident we had in midfield with uh, Xavi, Iniesta, Busquets. He was, as I've been saying, the last survivor of them. And, and now he leaves. I mean, he had the possibility of staying another season um, because, of course, as you said, Xavi is in love with him. Uh, he's definitely still a very useful player. Uh, even if it's not as a starter, you know, he could still have been important for us uh, for next season. And they were actually saying that if Messi signed, he would likely be staying but in the end no matter what happens with Messi Busquets has decided to move on and I can understand this because of course uh, you know he's uh, I think he's 34 now uh, he'll want to live other experiences in football and get other opportunities and also he's been mistreated quite a lot we could say in, in recent seasons at Barcelona uh, especially with during Kuman's tenure maybe the start of Xavi's you know people were saying that Busquets was done Busquets needed to leave you know he wasn't being playing as well but I think Xavi managed to recover a good level of Busquets in these last seasons and, and, and you know, show us that he can he still can be very important and he didn't really deserve all that uh, discredit going towards him because uh, if you look back at what Busquets has been and has done for Barcelona, he's, he's as you said, a unique player. I mean, there's, there's going to be no other Busquets like there wasn't any other Xavi or Iniesta when they left, you know. And the same thing is going to happen here. So, I mean, it's definitely sad to see him go and... And hopefully um, he'll have some good years left in his boots to to enjoy football. But uh, the memory the memories he leaves are never gonna gonna go. Mm. And you've written on our Substack about his departure. A uh, very nice piece on there, lllonline.substack.com to check that out from Roman. Indeed, he was the well the grandfather of the Classico. No one has played <laughs> the greatest fixture in football more times than him. Uh, yeah, in the age of advanced metrics, wall-to-wall -wall statistics, he's, he's one of those players that you can only really truly appreciate by actually watching him. Uh, I mean, there's that Del Bosque quote, which uh, some say wasn't even him, but about the whole idea of if you watch the game, you don't see Busquets, but if you see Busquets, you see the whole game. Uh, Johan Cruyff said, with the ball, he makes the difficult look easy. Without the ball, he gives us a lesson. He's just such a unique player. I mean, Roman, I know you've touched on it just there, but how do you replace him? Can You can't, can you? No, not really. I mean, even though he's been, I think, quite underrated during his career, uh, maybe not so much 
from a Barcelona perspective, but maybe from other people that maybe they don't watch Barca as much. They they feel like Busquets is more of a normal player, but I think he was he was an absolute fantastic talent, and that's why I was saying that it's it's really impossible to find a player like him who had you know the calmness to play the ball in in critical situations uh, and make the best decision whether it was uh, with a dribble with a pinpoint pass uh, whether uh, it was with a dummy i mean he had so many qualities he was just uh, technically awesome or he was sorry he is he still is you know i'm talking as if mm. he already left us and then retired but it's still not the case so i mean i mean they've been talking about Players like Amrabat, uh, Ruben Neves, uh, Zubimendi, uh, of course Nico Gonzalez coming back from Valencia, Frankie de Jong uh, taking that spot. And I mean, Frankie has already had his opportunity, so have Nico, you know, and, and they haven't even come close by a little bit to what Busquets has provided, which comes to prove how difficult it is to, to do his job, you know. I mean, and the other names, uh, they could be Good decent one. players, decent midfielders, but they're not going to be nothing like Busquets so I mean it's it's important not to try and compare them in a situation if we bring one of these guys and they start saying oh he's nothing like Busquets that's going to just make it so much worse because the pressure on the player is just really going to uh, make him struggle and we know how it how difficult it is to come to Barcelona and, and succeed you know so many good players um, deceive us in the end a good example is Artur Melo the new Xavi you know I mean he had very nice qualities he had uh, certain similarities we could say but uh, he wasn't Xavi and he was never going to get there and now his career has really uh, hasn't really gone the way he would have liked so as I said very difficult I don't think there is a specific replacement there are just other players that can perform in, in, in that position and, and do what they do so in my personal opinion I think our best shot at the moment would possibly be playing Frankie the Young there because he's at a really good level I think he's a reliable player and he does have a lot of talent, but uh, we'll see what uh, Xavi and the board decide to do. Mm. It's going to be a, a fascinating summer in, in so many ways in, <laughs> in Can Barca. Um, as always. Just a quick, <laughs> as always, yeah. Uh, final on Busquets. Well, I think it was Rory. He, he tweeted a, a compilation video, and I think it went pretty viral. Uh, I think it was he that said, how many compilations do you watch of players basically standing still or, or not running? <laughs> I mean, it's it's incredible, isn't it? He he was just the master of spatial awareness and timing, and precision. And yeah, I, I think it was Cesare Minotti who said when I saw him, it, it was an extinct species that was born again. <laughs> um, and and sadly, yeah, it, it looks like with Busquets going, that that will die out again. Um, in terms of his, sorry, go on. No, so I was gonna kind of I agree absolutely with with what you just said and. And it's a fact that before Busquets, um, and in general, I mean, when you think of a defensive midfielder, you think of a big guy who's going to run box to box, you know, uh, cover the whole field. Whereas Busquets kind of does that, but in a different way, you know. As you said, he doesn't have to run like a chicken, pollo sin cabeza, we say in, in, in Spain, like a chicken without a head, you know, without uh, any any reason. Of course, Busquets really was, was very aware of his surroundings at all times. Even defensively, I think he was... He was a great player, you know, capable of, of, of carrying out some incredible tackles out of nowhere. So his awareness was just outstanding. And, and it's hard to actually see any any player that is even close to him in that sense. I mean, you see other, other sorts of midfielders that maybe play in more advanced positions that are more positional and don't run as much. But in a defensive midfielder position, it's, it's not something that's very common. And that's another reason why it's going to be so hard to, to find anyone like him. 
Mm. I mean, yeah, Makalele, you think of in the past, he's not Makalele, he's not Casemiro, he's not uh, Guardiola himself even. I mean, the closest similarities, you mentioned Zubimendi, probably Rodri and Al at City, um, mm. potentially. He was seen as, as a, a kind of heir to Busquets, certainly in the national team, that seems to be the yeah. case. But uh, yeah, very a very uh, irreplaceable player, unique player. Um, one slight tinge perhaps is the fact that the rumours are he's going to go to Saudi Arabia what are your thoughts on on that in terms of the decision and and basically whether you like the fact that he's going to go there really well I'll have to see what happens I mean I've also been hearing a lot of of interest from Miami of him possibly going to David Beckham's side there so I mean uh, at this point I think it's it's all a lot of rumours like the other day they were confirming that Messi was going to Saudi Arabia too and now He's not going any longer. As a matter of fact, uh, his team uh, sent a, a message denying all that information and saying that uh, that's not the case at the moment. So we'll, we'll have to see what happens in the end. I don't really like it too much when players go over there. I think it's it is a bit disappointing, but I guess I can understand. It's their last years. They want to make as much money as they can to live a bit more comfortable, if, if possible, I guess. And, and in the end, I mean, he's earned the the right to, to decide what he wants to do with his future but honestly I'd rather seeing somewhere else or even I heard Inter Milan as a possibility to be trying to to knock on his door and see if he'd be interested in joining I think I'd love to see um, Busquets playing in another top European league I think that would be incredible whether it was the Premier League whether it was uh, Serie A Bundesliga or whatever I think that would be ideal but as we said we understand that players at this age you know have different objectives they think about their family about their future and that's why Saudi Arabia Qatar etc all come into the picture mm. there's always the Kings League he would rock that <laughs> I hope to see him there one day that would be pretty cool I would I would well we spent a lot of time on Busquets justifiably so I think but we do have to talk about the match day 34 games coming up this weekend as La Liga gets close to the finishing post the title of course could be decided this weekend uh, once and for all on Sunday in Cornea, Espanyol against Barca. That's probably the, the most significant game of the week in terms of the title could well be decided if Barca win that game. They will be champions for the first time since 2019. Uh, how sweet would it be to, to happen at the RCDE Stadium? Well, you can imagine, you know, uh, it's, it's something that uh, a lot of Barca fans are really looking forward to. I mean, I think it's going to be a tricky game because, uh, you know, Espanyol are really fighting for their lives despite how poor they've been this season. You never know what's going to happen. It's also a derby. Uh, they've had good results in, in, recent, in recent games. I think in the last two, there have been both draws against Barcelona. So, I mean, Espanyol trying to cling on can really mm, make Barca suffer a little bit and... and maybe postpone that title win. But I think in the end, the good thing is that Barca have recovered Pedri, Dembele, Christensen, Frenkie de Jong. And we had been missing these players for for some weeks. And since they've come back, you can tell the team is, is looking a bit better uh, and more dangerous than it was. So if these players had still been injured, maybe I would have possibly said that uh, it's unlikely we win the league there. But with them back, I, I think the hopes are there. And it's not just the fact that Barca have the opportunity of winning the league there. They also have the opportunity of basically relegating Espanyol. I know it's not mathematical, but it will be very, very tough, I think, to come back from that. Because if Getafe, for example, uh, Valencia, etc., get um, some decent results and Espanyol lose to Barcelona, it's going to be 
hyper complicated to to pull out. Mm, indeed, and of course, I think it happened a couple of years ago, didn't it? When Barca, I think I was at Can now, officially confirmed Espanyol's yeah. relegation. The last uh, time. So they'll be desperate, desperate to avoid that. Uh, this time in front of their own fans, that'll be a should be a great atmosphere down in uh, Cornellà. Uh, it'd be a nice symmetry as well because Xavi's first game in charge was a Catalan derby uh, at Camp Nou against it Espanyol. Was, it was one nil. Yes, yeah, Memphis Depay penalty. Funnily enough, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> seems a long time ago, but uh, this would be kind of fitting if if that that was the game when he clinched uh, a title, uh, much uh, long-awaited league title for Barca fans. <laughs> Elsewhere in La Liga this weekend, we have Friday night football in the island of Mallorca, uh, taking on Cadiz, a big game for, for Cadiz in particular, who have just slipped back into a bit of trouble there, only one point clear of the drop zone. On Saturday, we have Real Sociedad against Girona, real European battle there, should be a great watch. Real Sociedad looking to cling on to fourth spot. Girona eyeing up the Europa League in real form as well under Michel. Eight goals in the last fixture between those two sides as well. That was a 5-3 thriller down in Montelivi, so... Definitely tune into that one uh, Saturday, uh, Saturday lunchtime. Then we have Osasuna against Almeria. We'll see how Osasuna can recover from their heartbreak in the Copa against a side that tend not to do very well on the road. Villarreal Athletic Club, Roman, this is a real tasty one, isn't it, on Saturday evening. Um, two sides that are, again, looking for European football who know the value of three points in this game. Yeah, I mean, for both teams, it's, it's, it's important to win. Maybe a bit more for Athletic, I'd say, because I, honestly, I think after Villarreal drew against Valencia and Real Sociedad won in the previous weekend, the Champions League is practically uh, unreachable. I'm not, I'm, I don't think they're going to make it. I think uh, Real Sociedad are going to be the fourth side to qualify now. And uh, the Europa League is, is practically done. I mean, unless uh, Girona and Athletic do something incredible. Um, I think they're going to have it. So, I mean, Athletic do need this win. They're going through a very bad spell at the moment. And Girona, out of nowhere, as you said, have come with plenty of goals and plenty of good football. So, it's incredible to see them fighting for the Conference League spot. And, yeah, Villarreal, honestly, for me, missed their shot. So, I mean, of course, they're going to go and try and get the win. They're, they're a very good side. I mean, they, they have a lot of quality. They play well. They just maybe lack a bit more of... Um, the capacity to close games, you know, because they, they generate a lot of attack, but then sometimes they miss opportunities or, or they miss the back uh, defending. So, I mean, uh, as I said, Champions League, very difficult for them now. Mm. But still still possible, so we'll still see. Possible, they'll they'll still fight. Yeah, but yeah, tough. we'll see. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> Saturday night, as we said, is that Real Madrid game against Getafe. So I expect to see uh, Ed Nazard and maybe Mariano as well in that game. Uh, <laughs> Celta Valencia kicks off our Sunday. That's a huge game for Valencia. Uh, Celta kind of mid-table obscurity now. They're not really going for anything apart from pride in front of their fans. Elche already relegated, of course, taking on the informed side in the league, Aleti. So anything other than a resounding away win will be a huge surprise. Then we have that game again, Real Valladolid, Sevilla. You mentioned could be some changes for Sevilla as they rotate ahead of their huge second leg of that Europa League semi-final. And then it's the Catalan derby, Espanyol against Barca, Sunday night. And Monday is Betis Rayo. So a really exciting weekend ahead, Roman. And then we've got the European second legs. So it's it's that time of the season when everything is happening. It's all to play for. How excited are you? I'm very excited. I mean, honestly, I wish there would have been a couple more teams in that relegation battle because during the whole season, there had been so many, so many teams involved and it looked super exciting. It still is super exciting. Uh, but of course, um, six clubs Sevilla... in five points. So it's not yeah, bad. No, no. <laughs> it's not bad at all. No, but I mean, Sevilla managed to escape. 
Mallorca, Celta, Celta managed to escape too pretty much, even though they're you know five points away. But still, it's very difficult for them to to get involved again in in those in that fight in relegation. So I mean, uh, still, still as you said, still pretty good. Can't complain, and there's still a bit of a fight in Europe. Uh, the only thing is that uh, Barca run away too quickly, and the league is, is has been practically over for a while now. Um, I'm sure you're gutted about that. <laughs> anyway, we we will see if it is officially sealed this weekend as Barca can be champions for the first time in four years. We'll be back on Sunday night or Monday morning with a fresh podcast to review all of those games. Uh, but from, from me and Roman, thank you very much for your time and for listening. Uh, from all of us here, adios.